Well, it is a pleasure to be with you this Lord's Day evening. I encourage you to look at Revelation 12, and there we will find our sermon text for the evening. We continue our series in the book of Revelation, and we reach a critical section of the book where many of the strands and threads of the story of the vision come together for us. So far in the vision, seals have been opened, trumpets have sounded, judgments have issued forth from heaven. There have been thunder and lightning and billows of smoke. We have heard angels singing and presbyters praising the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. We have seen the souls of those who died for their testimony and the Word of God, dressed in white, holding palm branches in their hands, gathered around the throne of God, all worshiping and praising the Lord God Almighty. And all of this is happening on the Lord's Day in the Spirit. This is not John's imagination. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John is revealing to us what he saw. In Revelation 12, John sees a couple of signs. And these signs indicate to us something significant and meaningful about the judgments of God and the purposes of God in the earth. And here we see the story of stories come to a head, reaching its climax in a great war. This story makes the most sense if we're able to reflect back on all things we know from the Old Testament and trace the storyline from Genesis coming forward into the book of Revelation. And we will do that in just a moment as we try to tie together a few things to help us understand clearly what is at stake in this vision of a woman, a dragon, and a baby. Revelation 12 one and following is our sermon text for the evening. And if you are willing and able, I invite you to please stand for the reading of God's most holy word. God's word reads, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns on his head, seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. 
For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short." And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman who was given the two wings of the great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished, for a time, and times, and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood, but the earth came to help the woman." And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the sand of the sea. And that is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessings to the reading, the hearing, and the preaching of his word. And all the church says, Amen. you may be seated. You may have heard the news today. This morning in Egypt, worshipers gathered in a church on Palm Sunday. Leaders of the church standing before the congregation dressed in their white robes, palm branches in their hands, worshipers coming in, making procession, palm branches in their hands, celebrating Palm Sunday in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at some point in the service, bombs went off, bombs that had been placed and hidden under the front two rows of pews killing several people who had gathered to worship Christ on this day. We gather here in the peace and comfort and the safety of the gospel. We thank God for these gifts. To us, worship is not a dangerous exercise, but to many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world, it is quite dangerous. And the reason it is quite dangerous is because the same red dragon who threatened the woman and her male child in this vision is the same red dragon who showed up in worship with those brothers and sisters this morning. He appears in a variety of ways. Today he showed up in the form of Isis, who has taken credit for this destruction and for this massacre. He shows up in other ways in human history. Sometimes he takes the form of a political ruler. Sometimes he takes the form of a religious leader. But he keeps showing up, doesn't he? He keeps making his appearance, showing his ugly face, threatening the people of God. And it's been this way throughout the history of the world. To understand the, the vision and the signs of Revelation 12... We have to understand the whole story of God's revelation to us in the Bible. The first time we meet this dragon, and he was not a dragon at all. The first time we get a glimpse of this dragon, he was a serpent. 
coiled up in the branches of a tree, deceiving the people of God, luring them away from God's Word, tricking them, seducing them into disobedience. Later on, we meet the dragon in the form of a brother who sneaks up on his brother and kills him out of envy and jealousy and anger. The worship war begins. We meet this dragon again later on in the story where God's people have been taken captive by a man who wears a serpent on his head, Pharaoh. The prophets refer to Pharaoh as a dragon, a dragon who is to be slain by the power of the Word of God. It was that dragon who initiated the slaughter of innocents in his own land. Recall how Pharaoh wanted the firstborn of all of the male children to be killed. Like a red dragon, he was crouched in front of all of those pregnant Hebrew women who were about to give birth to their children. And if you think those days are gone, you haven't read the news lately. Planned Parenthood does this on a daily basis. Like a red dragon crouched in front of expecting mothers seeking to devour their unwanted children. Some things never change. The serpent changed over time as he evolved from a serpent in a tree to become a dragon. He manifested himself in a variety of ways. He appeared in the desert in the form of many serpents, striking out against the people of God who were complaining and arguing and grumbling about God's provision in their life. And God sent Moses to make a bronze serpent, stick it up on a pole. Anyone who looks at it will be healed, indicating that God will deal with the serpent. He will deal with the dragon in his own way, in his own time. He's not exalting the serpent or the dragon, but simply saying this thing will have its end. Job tells us that the dragon or the serpent was so terrifying that no one wanted to face it. When God confronts Job, who has been saying to God, How long will I suffer? Why does this keep happening to me? Where are you when it hurts? And God comes to him and says, Let's talk about a few things, Job. You think you understand life, but you don't understand much about life. And God asked Job to explain a monster to him, a creature, a dragon that no one could tame, that everyone was afraid of. No one really knows what kind of creature it was. It might have been a galloping crocodile, for all we know. It might have been some other sort of thunderous lizard, but the description of it fits this red dragon quite well. His teeth were a terror. His back was made of rows of shields, shut up closely as with a seal, one so near to another that no air could come between them. They were joined to one another. They clasped each other and could not be separated. The serpent's hisses flashed light, and his eyes were like slits of the dawn. 
Out of his mouth went flaming torches, sparks of fire leaped forth. Out of his nostrils came forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindled coals and a flame came forth from his mouth. In his neck with strength and terror danced before him. The folds of his flesh stuck together, firmly cast on him and immovable. His heart was hard as stone, hard as the lower millstone. When he raised himself up, the mighty were afraid. At the crashing, they were beside themselves. And though the sword reached him, it did not avail, nor the spear, the dart, nor the javelin. He counted iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow could not make him flee. For him, sling stones were turned to stubble. He made the deep boil like a pot. He made the sea like a pot of ointment. On earth there was nothing like him, a creature without fear. No one knows what Leviathan was. But the prophet seized on this image and began to describe the devil, the serpent, the accuser of our brothers in these terms. He is a dragon that terrorizes the world. And there is not a man alive that can bring him down. It is this dragon that appears before a woman in a vulnerable state. This is the sign in heaven. She's in the midst of her labor pains. And the dragon is awaiting to deliver the child, to devour the child that is delivered. Who is this woman? This is the woman who has appeared to us from the beginning. On the one hand, it is our mother Eve to whom was given the promise that through the seed of the woman, the mother of all the living, God will raise up a seed who will crush the head of a serpent. And so from the beginning, her story has been tied to the story of the serpent. Israel comes along. Israel is the woman. Israel is the woman who is in labor pains. She is the one out of whom will come the deliverer, the savior. Judah will be the one who will give birth to the savior. And not just Judah, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's where the Savior will come from. A woman there will give birth to a male child, to the seed that will crush the serpent's head. God said in Genesis 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. From the beginning, the serpent, the dragon, has been on watch because God has spoken. And God never lies. God always keeps his word. God always does what he says he will do. And the serpent has been awaiting the day when this male child, when this seed will come into the world. Thus far, no one has been able to touch the dragon. No one's been able to hurt him, threaten him, strike fear in his heart. And yet, every time a male child was born through this line, he was there seeking to devour it. 
His venom has touched everyone. His bite has injured everyone. His sting has poisoned everyone. Through the years, he has evolved. He has gotten stronger and more terrible. So that finally in this vision we see the great showdown. The promise of God that a woman giving birth to a male child who perhaps will crush this serpent's head. Who is this woman? It's Mary, the mother of Jesus, representing all of faithful Israel, a daughter of Eve. Who is this male child? It is Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, the seed of the woman born by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is this dragon? It is the ancient serpent who has always been around, but on this day and in this vision, he will finally meet his match. Mary represents both Israel going back and also the church going forward. She is the mother of the living. Her son is the savior of the world. God said through Isaiah that in that day the offspring of the woman will punish Leviathan, the swift and twisting serpent, with his hard and great and strong sword, and the offspring will slay the dragon that is in the sea. These promises have been echoing through the story for generations. And not only have the people of God heard the promises, but the enemy of God's people have heard the promises. And so every time there is a woman expecting a male child, he is there waiting, crouching, hoping to bring down that child. He appeared once again, didn't he, in the story of God's people, this time in the form of King Herod. He ordered the slaughter of the infants and in and around Bethlehem. So all the boys, two and under, were massacred because a mighty king was threatened by babies. Babies who were born into the world bringing promise and hope. Babies who might not only take away his throne as king of the Jews, but more importantly, take away the throne of the dragon. And so this male child is born into the world, and the sign tells us the story in this apocalyptic imagery, doesn't it? The child is born, the woman is crying out in pain, the dragon is standing there waiting for the child to be born so that he might devour it. He wants to consume it. The male child comes into the world, and this child is the hope of all the nations. Our translations say that he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. This is a reference to Psalm 2. And in Psalm 2, we have God looking at the nations and saying, Why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? Why do they scoff and make their stand against the Lord and against His anointed one? 
in light of the vision, we would say, why do they side with the dragon? And while we tremble in fear and we are nervous at news reports and we fall asleep at night crying, we wake up in the morning agonizing over reports coming to us through our news channels and feeds, Psalm 2 tells us that the Lord God Almighty throws back His head and horse laps at the nations. Is that all you've got? Is that all you can do is rattle your sabers and flash your teeth and show your claws? Is this the best you can do? And he issues a threat to the nations. Kiss the sun lest he be angry. Worship Jesus Christ lest the wrath of the Lamb break out against you. And the idea of kiss there is you're blowing kisses to Him in praise. This is what worship is. You're kissing the Son. The Son of God. Why? Because this Son of God, this King, this Lord, this male child, seed of the woman, will rule the nations. And not simply rule. The word rule in Revelation 12 isn't rule the way you think. It's the word shepherd. He will shepherd the nations with a rod of iron. That rod of iron that strikes fear into the hearts of the enemies of God is the same rod of iron that gives us comfort. We still say to the shepherd, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But the enemies of God do, do not find comfort in the rod and the staff of this shepherd. No, they find terror and heartache and fear and pain. As the psalmist tells us, he will use that rod to break the nations into pieces. The vision tells us that a war breaks out in heaven as a result of the birth of the Son of God into the world. He's taken away. How is he taken away? Well, through the ascension. In this vision, the Son of God does not, we don't see the Son of God conduct His life of ministry, go to the cross, suffer death, get buried, and come to life and ascend. All of that has been said before in the book of Revelation. We've already seen the Lamb that looks as though it has been slain, but now we see that as the dragon has tried to devour this male child, this male child has been exalted, lifted up. He has ascended to the right hand of God. And this is what John has been seeing through that window, through that door in the sky in the universe next door. Then a war breaks out. Conflict ensues. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels are fighting back. And the war doesn't last long. The dragon is defeated. There's no longer any place for the dragon or his servants in heaven, the angels who rebelled and went with him. 
And so the great dragon is thrown down, that ancient serpent called the devil and the Satan. Now, if all you were reading were the book of Revelation, you might be surprised that his end came so quickly and so swiftly. But if you're reading the book of Revelation in light of the Old Testament and what the prophets had said, then you would know that this was a long time in coming. This is what is pronounced against a king in the book of Ezekiel, the king of Tyre, who seemed to represent all that the dragon and the serpent stood for. In fact, he is so closely related to the serpent in his character and behavior that he is called the serpent. And the prophet said, O serpent, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. You were an anointed guardian cherub. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So you were cast as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and you were destroyed, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes upon you. By the multitude of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries, so I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you, and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end, and you shall be no more forever." The demise of the dragon was a long time coming. And God, who makes promises, keeps promises. And when you get to the book of Revelation 12, and you have the vision of the woman in the heavens, and the vision of the dragon in the heavens, and the explanation of the vision to John, all of those promises, all of those long years of waiting, things that people had forgotten, some things they had remembered, all of that comes together. And God is seen not only as the promise maker, but the promise keeper. The seed of the woman has come, and he has crushed the head of the serpent. Remember what Job said, no weapon forged by man could conquer this dragon. None of our best technologies, none of our skills, none of our craftsmen could develop a weapon of mass destruction that could destroy this serpent. So how was he destroyed? What did this male child do to crush the serpent's head, to bring him to his end? He defeated him in the least expected way, in a way no one imagined. 
in a way no one saw coming. He defeated the dragon by surrendering himself to him. In one sense, he was devoured by the dragon. He was consumed by him through the hatred of his enemies. He was scourged, he was flogged, he was rejected by the dragon through the hands of his own kinsmen. Kinsmen who acted like Cain and rose up to slay their brother once again. He was rejected by kings who tried to slaughter him in his infancy and then eventually succeeded in his adulthood. But he defeated this dragon by laying down his life on behalf of his people. He did the unthinkable. And by serving and sacrificing himself, he was able to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Now this sort of thing enraged the devil, and people are afraid because the dragon is still kicking. He's still out to get some. He's still trying to wreak havoc on the world. And this strikes fear in our hearts. These things terrify us. And to this the prophet says, Comfort, comfort, O my people. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. This is what we see with the woman. This is what we see with her offspring as they run and hide to places prepared by God for them, prepared by Jesus Christ for them. Remember how he said, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come back to you. And now these places have sanctuaries. These people have sanctuaries, places to go and hide in the midst of their fear and trauma, in the midst of their strain in life and the struggles they're having. Yes, they run out of strength. Yes, they are afraid. And yet they are comforted by the promises of God. Remember how the woman went away, carried on the wings of a great eagle. Unless you think, well, that's good for her, but not for me. Let me remind you that the prophet says, even young people grow faint and weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. This is the promise of the Lord our God. In this vision, the dragon goes off to make more war on the rest of the woman's offsprings. He is out to get the church of Jesus Christ. He is out to bring down our brothers and sisters throughout the world. And, and yet, as he goes out with his rage, goes out in his fighting, he seems, to fail, he seems to forget or fails to notice that these people that he keeps slaughtering, that he keeps sacrificing, are overcoming him by their blood and by the word of their testimony. For they refuse to give up on the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do not love their lives 
so much as to give up on Christ. They love Him so much that they remain faithful even in the face of death. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with these words that no matter how hard things get, no matter how rough life seems to you, don't ever give up. Don't ever surrender. Never give up to the enemy. Never cave in or release from your hands the gospel of Christ or never cave in on the testimony of Jesus. Times were probably going to get rougher for us before they get easier. And yet we find great comfort by watching our brothers and sisters throughout the world suffer faithfully and tirelessly for the cause of Jesus Christ. What do we see in this vision of the woman and the dragon? We see the the conquest of the lamb over the dragon. And we also see the conquest of the people of God over the dragon's influences in their lives. I hope and pray that you, like our brothers and sisters here and elsewhere, will overcome the world. Not only by the word of your testimony, but perhaps even by the blood of your own life that you must shed. That you must suffer faithfully. And as you follow the Lamb into the new heavens and the new earth, you will find yourselves bearing the cross all the way. But not bearing the cross to a destructive end, bearing the cross to an end of salvation, an end of peace and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we conquer? We conquer by the blood of the Lamb and by the gospel of Christ and by loving Christ more than we even love our own lives.